0: Uh, so let's go ahead and jump in. If you've got a Bible, if you've got a device, you can go ahead and turn to Ephesians 4 with us. And we've been in the book of Ephesians for um, the long, long time. And, and just uh, this is just out of sheer curiosity. How many, how many of you think like, man, I love just walking through the books of the Bible, even if it's small chunks at a time, verse by verse. How many of you say... Yeah, that's really cool, and I don't get tired of it. All right. All right. And for those of you that uh, don't enjoy that, then we are all just diligently praying for you (laughs) that you would grab a hold of uh, strong, exegetical preaching. And No, some people, that's just not their cup of tea. I mean, I can't help it. That's Rusty. Rusty likes the topical stuff, you know? (laughs) He likes pictures, books, and he likes topical It's It's okay, man. I love you still. We're the body. So we've been in Ephesians, first three books or th- first three chapters of Ephesians are, are kind of laying a doctrinal foundation. Chapters four through six are now. What do we do with that? I've heard it put several different ways and how how you break those two things up. But one of the one of the things I heard a couple weeks ago, and I think it's. Uh, I think it's just good to wrap our minds around. The first three chapters are gospel truths. This is the truth about who God is. This is the truth about who he's created you to be. This is the truth about who you are in him. And then chapters 4 through 6 is gospel pursuits. Now that we know the truth, how do we pursue what he's calling us to do? How do we pursue um, acting and walking in obedience to him? Uh, Foundational... uh, Kind of main idea for the entire rest of the book, foundational pursuit for the remainder of this book is, and Jimmy preached on this a few weeks ago, that we live out what Jesus expects of us by living out of what Jesus has done for us. So we identify that we don't live in our own strength. We can't do anything God calls us to do apart from Him actually being in us and through us and working through us. So we live out what he expects of us because he's got some expectations when he says, you're my chosen child, you are the body, you are my family, now let's go live like it. There's some expectations there, but he doesn't leave us alone. He says, I'm going to give you everything you need and I'm going to help you to walk this out and to live this out. The main idea for the, the uh, first verse of this book, Uh, Chapter 4, Jimmy preached on a couple weeks ago. Jesus made us one to live like we were. So we live like we were one. He made us one. He died. We are one body. There's this oneness theme all throughout the book of Ephesians. And so he says, If I died to make you one, I need you to live accordingly, not divided. I need you to live and operate like you are one. And so if you've got your Bibles open, uh, Jimmy Jimmy preached ver- chapter four verse seven through twelve uh, last week. I'm going to preach verse thirteen through sixteen this week. And really, it's kind of a two part sermon because this is one uh, pretty concise thought. And actually, verse eleven through sixteen is in, you know, and we've talked about this. Paul Paul's not a huge fan of punctuation, and and there actually wasn't a lot of punctuation in the Greek language. So. It's just all a big run-on. So in the English language, we're trying to kind of make sense of like, whoa, pump the brakes, Paul. Slow down. Let us collect ourselves and figure out how to put all this together. But we're going to read the entire passage. So he preached 7 through 12. I'm going to preach 13 through 16. Just for uh, clarity's sake, we're going to go ahead and read verse 7 through 16. So Ephesians 4, verse 7. But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended, what does it mean that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he himself by the trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joint, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love." So that's what we're going to tackle today, uh, and, and we're gonna. The, the main idea is the same as it was last week because this is a two-part sermon. So the main idea is this: we are gifted through the finished work of Jesus, so we can do the work of ministry in order to accomplish the work of building up His church, right? So we're we're gifted through the finished work of Jesus. Because of Jesus and what he, the price he paid for us, if we are trusting in him, putting our lives in him, he's also gifted us to provide something back, to serve the body, to serve one another, and to glorify him with our gifts. We're gifted through the finished work of Jesus so we can then do the work of ministry in order to accomplish the work of building up the church. How many of you have been, um, how many of you have been to community college or college of, of any sort? How many of you would admit to the fact that you had to take some remedial classes? Man, I love you guys, you bunch of honest folks, that's okay. We're going to do a little bit of remedial class, because some of you may not have been here last week, some of you were here, and there's been six days in between then and now, um, and some of you were here in body, but you really weren't here in spirit. So, <laughs> we're going to just look at, what did, what, did G, what did Jimmy preach on last week, how does that Set the tone for what we're talking about today. So the, one of the things he, he talked about is that Jesus gifts all believers to serve by his grace. He came and set us free through his finished work. Right? And just what I said. He, because of what he's done for us, he's now given us the ability to, to allow him to live in us and through us. And he's gifted us in very specific ways. You're not going to look like you're going to look. You've got a different gift than you do. But do you understand what that is and are you using it? But he's gifted us by his grace to serve. He gives us grace through his finished work. He talked about the fact that there's four expressions of grace and kind of honed in on one. But there's, there's saving grace. There's the fact that only by the grace of God can we be saved. We don't have anything in us that's good enough to say, I'm choosing God. He has got to draw us and reveal himself to us, but that's called saving grace. That is his grace to save us. So there's saving grace. There's sanctifying grace. The sanctifying grace of God is what allows us to now grow as a follower of Jesus Christ. Every time that he After he saves us, he says, I'm not going to leave you as an infant. And we'll talk about that. I'm not going to leave you where you are. You're going to grow up. And you're going to start to look more and more and more like me. But that's the grace of God in our lives, sanctifying us. And then there's sustaining grace. He sustains us through trials and through suffering. He sustains us through living in a fallen world until ultimately... Until ultimately he comes back for his children. He restores his kingdom. But right now we're experiencing sustaining grace. But in this passage, the grace that he was talking about was serving grace. He gifts us by his grace to serve. So it's not a burden. It's not something that's heaped on us. It's something that we say, man, you gave me whatever this gift is in me. And I get to serve. And he talked about the fact that it's not a have-to thing, it's a get-to thing. And now let's be real. It doesn't always feel like a get-to thing, right? When I, when I prepare to preach, and Manny can attest to this, it does, I, I go through, like I'm a normal, level-headed, pretty calm, chill dude. But for whatever reason, when I'm working out this gift... And I'm trying to, and I feel the weight of trying to proclaim the truth of God. There's so much craziness that it doesn't feel very fun sometimes. But you know what? It's a gift. And God's gifted each of us to serve. That's his grace. Our gifts are varying. And so, verse 11, he talks about, okay, there's some of you in the body that are in the church that I'm going to call I'm going to call you to actually train everybody else and equip them to do the work of ministry. So he calls some out to equip to do the work of ministry, and then he calls all of us to minister together for the building up of the church. So even the ones that he's called out as pastors and teachers, apostles and prophets, evangelists, those people are still doing the work of God, but the primary focus my primary focus is to help equip each of you to do the work of ministry. And in the American culture, in the church today, that, that we fight that. We fight that because th- there's this view and it. I mean, it's, it's been throughout the ages. There's this view, there's this hierarchy of you've got the, the clergy that do ministry and then the laity that just receive it, right? You've got, you've got a, a sect of people That's all they do is they minister and they're God's chosen ones. If you have put your trust in Jesus Christ, you are God's chosen one to go do ministry. Every one of us. It's just going to look different depending on what he's gifted you to do. So, here's the question. If that's the case, if God's given us all a gift, if he's graced us to serve, if he's given some of us to equip you guys to serve and do work of ministry while also as Christians doing ministry ourselves but not doing all the ministry if he's done that what's the main idea again so we're going to accomplish the work of building up the church how do we know if that happens like what how how do we have a litmus test to say is this working is, is the way that God has put this thing together, is the way that you're acting in obedience and you're acting in obedience, are we doing what God's asked us to do? Is this working? So I would say, how do we determine if we're accomplishing this? And, and ultimately, we're going to look at these four verses and establish that there's three gospel outcomes when this thing's working right. When we're doing what we're called to do according to how we're gifted, There's three gospel outcomes. One is that we step up and serve one another. The other is that we stand up in truth. And then finally, excuse me, that we grow up into Christ-likeness. So we step up and serve, we stand up in truth, and we grow up into Christ-likeness. And those truths, if you're... Listen, if you're part of true life and you're looking for the bulletin, I say this every time I preach. I hope I'm training you all well. There's not a bulletin in there. Sharpen your pencil. Open your ears. If you feel like you need to walk away with something on paper, write it down right now. Stand up in truth. Grow up in likeness, Step up and serve one another. Those, those truths are what are weaved into all of this, all of this text that we're going to read. So let's start in verse 13. Verse 13 says this. So once again, the backdrop. Paul's just said, listen, I've I've called some of you out. I've equipped some of you to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And then here's what this is going to look like. Here's when you do it. Here's when you stop. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That sounds like quite a hefty endeavor. And there's some debate among Bible commentators and scholars about well, can we even can we attain that? That sounds more like heavenly language to me. Can we even attain that? And so if we can't obtain it here on earth, how do we even strive for it? And what I would say is that, yes, we, we won't experience all of that in its fullness until the coming of Christ. But we're going we're gonna to pursue it relentlessly until then. And that's my job as one of the pastors. That's your all's jobs to serve one another in that capacity. So we become unified in our convictions about the truths of the faith. So he says, till we all come to the unity of the faith. What is the unity of the faith? And Jimmy, Jimmy spoke about this. This isn't, like, this isn't just faith as far as I've got faith that I'm going to sit in this chair and then it's not going to fall. I've got faith that the UT football team won't get beat by Georgia's... Anyways... Um, mm this is the faith. This is the, the faith. What are we identifying as Christian doctrine? What are we all agreeing on and saying, yes, we may disagree on some things, but we are all in unified around the faith. And so he, Jimmy went on about a two-minute rant, and I know some of you think that he's real good-looking and probably want to see him at least for two minutes today. And um, and, and miss him so I'm going to let him tell us again what the faith is
1: there is one body and one spirit just as you were called in one hope of your calling and notice the emphasis here on the word one and, and, and verses 4 through 6 is what Christ has done for us verses 1 through 3 is actually how we live it out and so when I get to the exposition of this that's actually the order that I'm going to preach it in but he says one Lord one faith one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all.
0: We're going to fast forward a little bit because we would have to listen to a lot of his sermons. There is
1: one faith. There we go. Um, And we'll come back to this later too. But there's not the Baptist faith, there's not the Catholic faith, there's not the Presbyterian faith or whatever faith. There's the faith According to Jude, that's once for all delivered to the saints. Christianity is God is the eternal creator. He's holy. He's loved. There's one God who is uh, three persons, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He made us in His image. We fell through sin. Our sins separate us from God and result in physical and spiritual death. Yet God still loves us, and He loved us so much that He chose to come and save us. The only way we can be saved is by God becoming a man. So Jesus, the eternal Son of God, in the incarnation, added uh, humanity to His deity, Born of the Virgin Mary. Lived a perfect, sinless life. Went to the cross dying as the substitutionary sacrifice for our sins. Bodily rising from the dead. Ascending to heaven where if we repent of our sins and place our trust in Him, we are saved, reconciled to God, brought into His church, the body of Christ, uh, forever and ever, that salvation is in Christ alone, through grace alone, by grace alone, through faith alone, for the glory of God alone, that someday Jesus is going to come back and set up His kingdom on the earth, that there's an eternal hell, there's an eternal heaven, there is a final judgment. That is Christianity, period. That's the
0: faith. All right. We'd clap for him if he was here. And we talked about this in small groups. This is side note. If he gets on a roll like that, you can, you can clap. You can say amen. Like, listen, sometimes that's fuel. That's like, okay, God's using me. Let's go. Let's go. So I, I just want to give you all permission not not for me when we talked about this one of the guys was like I feel like you're just setting us up to make sure that we clap when you preach I'm like no all I'm saying is it like I know he's pretty like low key but when when he's preaching something good remind him that that's good truth all right so we agree on who Jesus is and that he has lordship over us like that's when we're doing what God's called us to do that we're going to be unified in that. There's a lot of things that we can differ on. Everything he just mentioned is not those are non-negotiables. Right? So you may not like the red carpet. We can talk through that. You may not like praise and worship music. We can work that out. You may have some, some secondary differences, but we have got to be unified in who we say Jesus is, who we live according to. Jesus being, and that he's got lordship over our lives. We don't get to say how things work anymore. He gets to tell us how this works. And so how does he do that? He reveals it to us through his word. He puts us in relationship with one another to then encourage each other and point each other toward him and sharpen each other and challenge each other. He is lord over our lives. And so we're also growing to be a perfect man and and the ESV actually calls that a mature man. We're becoming when we when we first meet Jesus, we literally, we are just like a baby physically being born. That's why it's so amazing. Like the way that God has created this world and and people, like it illustrates there's so many parallels. So when a baby's physically born, they can't do anything for themselves. They need a lot of assistance. You've got to feed them. You've got to spoon feed them. You've got to change their diapers. Eventually they learn to walk and they grow up. But when we give our lives to Jesus, we don't go from zero to a hundred right away. Somebody's got to come alongside of us and say, praise God. Now let's see how this thing plays out and works. And, and let me come alongside of you. And I'm more than happy to help feed this to you. But, but we got to feed the right stuff, right? we got to feed the truth. So we begin to mature as a body of believers as we begin to utilize our gifts, realize how God's wired us, and, and walk in that. We mature as a body of believers. He's exhorting, Paul's exhorting here, he wants all the believers, all the believers in Ephesus in this case, to just be on a path of spiritual transformation. Right? If there's never a time in our spiritual lives when we have given our lives to Jesus and we're now saying your Lord do what you want to do. What he wants to do is he wants to receive glory from your life. He wants you to enjoy him supremely in the, in the words of, of John Piper and many others that, uh, that do the, those confessions. You enjoy him supremely. That's what he wants for you. But, but that comes with our obedience. That, becomes, that comes with us Actually growing up and experiencing some transformation. We don't stand still. If we're stagnant in our pursuit of Jesus and our walk together, then, then there's going to be atrophy that sets in. You ever seen somebody lay in a hospital bed for an extended period of time? What happens? They can be bed sores. They, they lose mobility. They can't function like they used to. Atrophy st- sets up. They can't use their limbs. If we're not moving, we're not growing. Colossians 1, 28 and 29, Paul says it this way in Colossians. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. That's our aim. That's our aim. We are are pursuing to look more and more like Jesus. To this end, I also labor. And so he feels the burden of this Striving according, according, listen though, according to who's working, according to his working, according to God's working, which works in me mightily. So Paul's not saying, listen, I've got it what it takes to make sure you guys get to this spiritual maturity. But God's going to work through me and He's gifted me to lead you. We're to pursue this relentlessly, and we talked about that. Guys, it's my job. It's Pastor Jimmy's job. It's Rusty and Roger's job. And in studying this, this was probably one of the, some of the greatest growth that I experienced is when I, when I study to preach. And God convicted me that, that how, am I, how, how effective am I being at raising up leaders, at training people to do the work of the ministry. Because listen, you know what, as a leader, what's the default mode? I'll do it myself. You know what, if they can't do it, I'll do it myself. That's not how God's wired me. God, God has gifted me, and for me to be obedient in how he's gifted me, I've got, to, I've got to train and teach accordingly so that you are equipped to do the work of ministry. Paul says in Galatians 4, 19, My little children, for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. Once again, we start as children, babies, infants, but we're experiencing maturity. We're growing up into Christ-likeness. We're standing up in truth. Verse 14 goes on to say that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. He he exhorted the church at Corinth in the same way in, in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians to not be children in understanding, but to be mature. See, as we grow In our maturity, as we can now stand on our own feet as Christians, you know what that means? That results in stability. Now that we're mature, we can identify what's true and what's not. So how do you know what's true and what's not? A, the Word of God explains that. But but listen, that's a cop-out sometimes as leaders. Well, just read your Bible. You ever had an infant try to read? <laughs> how does that work? So, so one of the best starting points is to hear sound preaching. To hear sound doctrine through preaching. And then to come along, to have somebody come alongside of you and say, Hey, here's what we heard. Do you know how that applies to your life? Why don't we try to, why don't we try to live that out this week? And then eventually you begin... To read on your own you begin to understand this is what God's saying through his word maturity results in stability and see maturity is more than just what we believe right because there's a lot of quote spiritually mature Christians that believe a lot of good things but they don't live it and we believe what we live We live what we believe. If you're not living according to what you say you believe, you don't believe it. Spiritual maturity can be evidenced in how quickly we obey what God's calling us to. So if you've got a gift and you feel like God has gifted you in a certain way and you keep using the excuse, I'm just not ready, I'll do that when life gets more convenient. I'll do that when I feel like there's a, when there, there's a really good opportunity, I'm scared to death. I don't think I can do that. He never asked you to do it on your own. He's just asking you to obey. That's the definition of spiritual maturity. When God calls you to obedience, how quick are you to obey? I thought about, you ever been to the beach? We go to the beach almost every year, and you stand in... Like, you can just stand, like, ankle deep or or shin deep in the ocean. And something that the kids like to do is, you know, you'll bury your feet in the sand. And you'll see how long you can stay there without the waves and the wind knocking you over, right? But think about this. And and the ESV actually adds waves into this. But, But the picture of this, verse 14, is a ship. That's lost at sea. That's just being blown about everywhere. This is a negative impact of what happens when we're not using our gifts. We're not grounded in truth. But if you're standing in that ocean, more, more times than not, I have the ability to dig in a little more. And to be there longer and more grounded than my kids. Because I'm, I'm a little more grown up, right? I understand how the waves are going to hit me. I understand that if I get deeper and deeper and deeper, then I'm going to be grounded and grounded and grounded. The same thing applies as we root ourselves in the truth of God, the more grounded we become as the waves of bad doctrine, as the waves of like, that just doesn't sound right and feel right. You, you have something to base it on. You're not going to be carried around like, oh, well that fits, that fits kind of what I want a little bit more than what I've learned, so... I think I'm going to start believing, you know, I'm going to start believing that if I just trust a little more that that maybe I'll I'll get that check in the mail. You know, if I if I sow a seed, then I'm sure that God would return to me a hundredfold. Like that's that's garbage. But how do you know if you don't know what truth is? So, it's our job as the body to serve one another, to walk together So that we may stand up in that truth. So that we may be grounded like we would be in the ocean. And so that we may grow in Christ's likeness. See the young and immature are more vulnerable. And susceptible to being taken advantage of. And that's nobody's fault. That's just a reality. But if you have come to a faith in Jesus. One thing that's paramount for you to understand is where you are. Like, if you are vulnerable, if you're a spiritual babe, if you need some help, that's why we're here. That's why we're here. You've got to reach out and say, hey, I don't understand this, and I feel like what I'm believing and what I'm doing isn't working. Can you help me understand truth? That's our job, to come alongside of each other and do that also. To find somebody, maybe... I mean, that's a hard thing to do as a, as a new Christian. That's a hard thing to do to say, um, I don't understand anything that Pastor Jimmy's preaching. Or I don't understand anything that we're singing about. But as the body of Christ, we should be observant enough to say, man, that guy just gave his life to Jesus. I want to pull, I, I pull him aside, and I want to start doing life with him. That's, how, that's what we do through our small groups. You've heard of John Cooper, the lead singer of Skillet. About three weeks ago, he got a lot of publicity. Depending on which side of that topic you're on, either negative or positive. I think most folks in the church are saying yes, go John. Um, But he spoke out to you know something that's that's happened over the last couple months that that influential leaders within the church in um, you know the Joshua Harris and the Uh, singer for Hillsong, are basically saying, I think everything I've believed up until now is a lie, or at least I'm deeply questioning it. But listen to this interview with John Cooper and and think about this in light of us not being uh, children
2: tossed to and fro. News of two high-profile faith leaders walking away from Christianity is making headlines. Joshua Harris, author of the popular book, I Kiss Dating Goodbye, announced last month on Instagram that he was leaving the Christian faith and Hillsong worship leader Marty Sampson says while he hasn't renounced his faith he is struggling John Cooper leader of uh, lead singer rather of the Christian rock band Skillet addressed the issue in a post on Facebook saying Christians need to value truth over feeling. John joins us now via Skype. Welcome, my friend. Everyone is talking about your Facebook post addressing the issue of Christian leaders falling away. Uh, John, why
3: did you feel the need to write this post? Uh, First of all, great to be here. Um, I felt the need to do this, uh, not to attack anybody, not out of hatred, not out of anger. I just was sad. I was depressed. Um, These are people that have influenced my life, my kids' lives, my friends' lives, my church. And it's so saddening and so disheartening. And I just want to make a call to the church to grab a hold again of the preeminence of the Word of God and that there is absolute truth that Jesus is the way. And there's so the social media platforms are so big and these voices are so loud. I just want to say, hey— I'm really sad about this. I didn't think anybody would care about my post, to be honest. I didn't think anybody would even read it. But I'm sad about it, and I'm just pleading for the church to come back to the gospel, to come back to the truth of the Word of God that never changes. Uh,
2: John, in your post, you warned Christians to stop making worship leaders and other influencers, including yourself, uh, the most influential people in Christendom. Uh, explain what you mean by this.
3: Yeah, what I mean by this is that If you look the right way, if you sing the right way, if you sound the right way, then you can become uh, an extremely powerful person in today's Christian culture because, unfortunately, the church, me included, my my church included, my family included, unfortunately, the church is looking to be entertained. We are not looking to worship God as he ought to be worshipped. We're looking for people to feed us and entertain us. And so what we have is that we're elevating people that sing the right way, and we are letting things get away with lyrics and songs, perhaps, Uh, uh, skillet. I've written a lot of songs that I would not want to be sung at church because they are not theologically accurate enough to sing about God's character. So that's what I mean about that. I don't want to be the person that people listen to. I want the Word of God to do that, and there are people that are gifted and anointed from God to be sharing the Word, and that's who I want To see us elevate.
2: Yeah, you you mentioned the preeminence of the Word of God. Let's talk about that for a few seconds here. You are urging uh, believers to rediscover the preeminence and the value of the Word of God. Why is that so important?
3: Well, it's important because we're not just seeing this in the church. We're seeing it all of culture. We are basically seeing the the, uh, grandchildren of 1960s Postmodern modern thought that the absolute truth is done. What's true for you might not be true for me. We're seeing it in everything uh, uh, in the universities. We're seeing it in politics. Everybody is so confused about what truth is. And the church is supposed to be invading culture with the kingdom of God. And instead, we are letting the culture invade the church. And that's not the way that we're supposed to do it. Jesus is the only thing in this world that will never change. Everything else is going to fall away. Everything else is going to change. But his word stands forever. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if we lose that, then we basically lose everything.
2: Uh, real, Real quickly, last question. You have been involved in the Christian music scene for many, many years. John, how do you stay balanced and true to the
3: word of God? through reading the Word of God, through studying it, through my pastors, through the people that I listen to. Uh, and as I say, I am no theologian. Nobody wants me to start being a theologian. That's not what I'm trying to do. I stay balanced by, by feeding myself truth, even when that truth can sometimes be somewhat inconvenient. There are things about God that I've had to struggle with. Uh, and, and I realize, you know what? If I'm struggling with who God is, it's not God that needs to change. It's me that needs to change. That's what lordship is about, and we are losing that uh, in a generation of young people. And, and I think that we could be doing a much better job of preaching truth. And it's, and it's not just the, 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 the leaders I'm talking about. I'm talking about all of us, the church. We need to say, you know what? I don't want to look for what is entertaining. I don't want to look to what tickles my ears. I want to look for what is right and true. And if my ideas have got it wrong, that I need to change my ideas of of who God is.
2: Okay, terrific. John, thank you so much. I appreciate your insights and coming on the show. Love it.
0: So as we look at the Word of God, as we respond to God in obedience to what He calls us to do, we become grounded. And we're no longer children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine. Verse 15 goes on, says, But speaking the truth in love, we may grow up in all things into him who is the head, into Christ. And how many of you in the church have heard people use that phrase? Brother, I'm just speaking the truth in love. You know what that usually means? That usually means, I want to tell you what I think, but I don't want to be held accountable for how I say it. Like that's pretty much what we usually hide behind when we're brother let me speak the truth in love but i think what what paul's saying here is that this is more than just speaking the truth this is this is standing in the truth this is truthing it this is Coming alongside of each other once again and living out the truth. This is confessing the truth of the gospel. It's speaking it out loud as we did when we sang in corporate gatherings. It's talking about it with other believers. And then ultimately, it's upholding the truth firmly. How do we uphold it? We uphold it by how we live out our lives and how our lives become conformed to Christlikeness. John Stott said, in regard to speaking the truth. He said. Thank God there are those in the contemporary church. Who are determined at all cost. To defend and uphold God's revealed truth. But sometimes they are conspicuously lacking in love. When they think they smell heresy. Their nose begins to twitch. Their muscles r- ripple. And the light of, light of battle enters their eye. They seem to enjoy nothing more than a fight. Have you encountered that guy? And listen, the heart behind it's not that... Like, we've got to be grounded in truth. But we have to do it and speak it in love. Clinton Arnold, in response to to John Stott's uh, quote there, said, The truth of the gospel needs to be proclaimed and upheld within the community of believers. But it needs to be done with a heart that is tender... And concerned about the feelings, growth, and well-being of fellow believers. And so that's what we're called to do as we speak the truth in love. It doesn't mean we compromise truth. But how does the world know us? John 13, 34, and 35. How does the world know us? Knows us by how we treat each other. They're looking at us and saying, how do they love each other? Do I want to be a part of that if if they're always cutting each other off at the knees because they said something that wasn't 100% theologically accurate. If they're stabbing each other in the back because they disagree on the carpet. Verse, 13, verse 16. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effect of working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. We can't get around this fact, guys. Each member of the body. Remember, I preached on that, I think it was last year, Romans 12. Same, the same analogy. That, that Christ is a head, right? So Christ, what do our, what's in our head? The brain. Everything that tells everything else about our body what to do starts in the head. Christ is the head of the body. And then we are the limbs and the joints and we're, we're making up the body, but every member of the body should be actively contributing to the body. That's not an optional thing. We've made that optional that if you want to just come and sit and soak and then go do your thing and nobody else knows you, that's not what the body is about. That's not what Christ died for and said, I'm going to make you one body and one family, the church. He said, I've died for you so you would glorify me. And because you have now given your life to me, I've gifted you so that you would be a part of the body and serve one another. Step up and serve one another. See, this also, this facilitates, this isn't just about numerical growth. I've got little interest in us putting tushies in the seat with people that are disinterested in connecting to the body. Do I want people to hear the good news of the gospel? Absolutely. I hope that every time somebody sits in this room that they hear that no, regardless of what you've done, you are not too far from God. That God has given you hope through his son Jesus. And that because of Jesus' perfect death, because he lived a perfect life that you clearly have not, I clearly have not, that there is hope that you can now trust in him and that you exchange all of your sin for all of his goodness and his righteousness and that becomes the perfect exchange and now you can have life. I hope that every time somebody in here sits down, they hear that or they, if they don't know Jesus, they would be drawn to him. But what I don't care anything about is somebody just sitting here to hear some good music and to hear a little bit of good preaching when Jimmy preaches, and and then to go home. He has called you, if you have given your life to Jesus, to be a part of the body and step up and serve one another. How are you doing it? How are you gifted? Maybe you don't know, and that's okay. That's the best place to start. I don't know. All I know is that I'm trusting Jesus. All I know that I want him to use me for his glory, but I don't know how. We want to help. There's a, there's a lot of people in this room that want to help. So we grow spiritually. We do naturally when, this, when all this takes place. When the body begins to serve one another. When we grow in Christ likeness. When we stand in the truth. Naturally we will grow in numbers also. and we see it in the New Testament. And so that is just kind of a, that's a natural uh, response to what happens when we're doing what God's called us to do. And then we have a love for one another. You know the best way that that I can grow in love for you is to serve you? You want to have a heart for somebody? Serve them. God will supernaturally let you into their world and give you a compassion toward them that you haven't had. guarantee you. And we're out of time, but let me, let me speak to this, and I may use just a couple more minutes. Let me speak to this, because I think this is important, especially based on what Jimmy preached last week. Gifting. You know, he mentioned that one thing that was vital was, how do you know where you're called? What are you passionate about? What breaks your heart? And Mandy made a good point after that service last week, and she said, you know, I feel like a lot of people sit there, and they feel like they're... That their past has disqualified them from their gift. If God has put you, if he has saved you and if he has put a gift in you, then he has not taken that gift away from you. Now your past may have some very clear consequences, but just because you haven't lived like you thought you should live, because you haven't measured up according to what you, according to Christ's likeness up until this point, The answer is not to bury your gift and to say, I'm just not going to use it now because it's too late. The answer is to say, God, I may have wasted the past, but I don't want to waste the future. How have you gifted me? Bring it out of me so that I may serve the body. We're going to finish with one more video in just a second. But John MacArthur says, Spiritual service is the work of every Christian. Every saint of God. Attendance is a poor substitute for participation in ministry. Once again, guys, I love every one of you. I'm not mad at you. But I want more for every one of us. This isn't my idea. (laughs) This is the Word of God saying, If you're the body, you've got a gift. Use it and serve. Be grounded and stand in the truth. Grow up in Christ-likeness. As one of your pastors, I'm going to grow in my gift to equip the saints for the work of ministry. By God's grace, I'm going to grow in that and I'm going to become more efficient and more effective in that and I'm asking you to grow in your gift in whatever God's given you. Maybe you've got multiple gifts. Grow in your gifts Take a, take a chance. Let's watch the volunteer video. There's, this is a video, and, and, and this is a video that I just want to say thank you for all of those, all of you, and I'll speak to this in just a second, all of you who minister to one another, who serve in some capacity, who love one another well. Thank you. Thank you for taking the word of God and for acting on it. Thank you for not seeing that as words on a page, but seeing that as a command to be obeyed for your good and for God's glory.
3: Stranger,
2: and you invited me in.
1: I was sick, and you looked after me.
2: I needed a teacher,
0: and you inspired
1: me. I was lost, and you prayed for me. I was addicted and you helped me break free.
2: I needed a mentor
3: and you were there for me.
2: I felt alone and you showed me true community.
1: You helped me experience the joy of worship.
3: You made me feel welcome. And safe.
1: You gave me the strength to keep going.
3: You
2: led me to Jesus.